0: Uh, ancient Greek philosophers, such as Aristotle, thought that the universe was infinitely old and had no beginning, therefore. During late antiquity, and the medieval period, many theistic thinkers broke with this tradition on theological and philosophical grounds. For example, the 12th century medieval Muslim philosopher Al-Ghazi argued that the idea of an actual infinity, or actual infinities, entailed various absurdities, when you thought carefully about it, such that the past must be finite in order to make sense. And the universe must, therefore, have had a beginning. Al-Ghazi made the uh, finitude of the past a premise, a truth claim, in an argument for God that's today known as the Kalam cosmological argument. Being popularized, of course, particularly by the work of William Lane Craig from the States. He did uh, his first uh, PhD uh, on this area. Al-Ghazi said that, look, every being which begins has a cause for its beginning. Now, the world is a being which begins because it has a finite past. Therefore, It, the world, possesses a cause for its beginning. So there's something outside the universe that caused it. Belief in a universe with no beginning became fashionable again in the 18th century, due in part to the influence of German philosopher Immanuel Kant. As philosopher of science Stephen Mayer observes, few physicists or astronomers at the beginning of the 20th century doubted the infinite age of the universe. In 1927, Belgian cosmologist and Catholic priest Georges Lemaître combined Einstein's theory of gravity with the observation of a Doppler shift in the light from distant galaxies um, to formulate what would come to be known later as the Big Bang theory of the origins of the universe. Now, Big Bang cosmology has developed a lot over time since then but the basic picture of a universe with a beginning a finite time ago has been the scientific consensus since the at least since the 1965 discovery of the cosmic background radiation left over from the from the big bang which various satellites have mapped in more detail uh, over time. Uh, to quote from uh, an article in New Scientist magazine The Big Bang is now part of the furniture of modern cosmology. It now seems certain that the universe did have a beginning. Without an escape clause, physicists and philosophers must finally answer a problem that's been nagging at them for the best part of 50 years. How do you get a universe, complete with the laws of physics, out of nothing? Or indeed, do you? Big bang cosmology you see describes the evolution the change over time of the universe from a very hot dense state a finite time ago but it does not say anything about what brought the universe into existence big bang cosmology offers a description of the cosmic past as being finite it doesn't offer an explanation of that finite cosmic past that's a mistake I often found that, that t- teenage school kids that I w- used to work with thought that big bang cosmology conflicted with belief in God and so I don't believe in God because the big bang explains where we all came from and so no, the big bang is not an, not an explanation it's a description it's a description that itself may or may not need an explanation that's a kind of philosophical question here so as atheist philosopher Bradley Monton, who we quoted before, says, if the universe had a beginning, then that lends support to the Kalam cosmological argument. And this is what Bill Craig did um, in, the, in the 70s, I think it was, because Big Bang cosmology was coming to a main line. And he recognized there's this ancient philosophical tradition of arguing about the finitude of the past. Uh, but now we seem to have an empirical scientific argument for the same thing that would be inter- invest, interesting to investigate that, that overlap there. So atheist Nobel laureate in physics, Stephen Weinberg, says uh, the Big Bang theory is as certain as anything in science. I suppose nothing in science is ever mathematically certain, like 2 plus 2 equals 4, but it's the kind of certainty that simply makes it not worthwhile considering alternatives. Atheist cosmologist Alexander Vlenkin. Uh, said all the evidence we have says that the universe had a beginning. He says the answer to the question did the universe have a beginning is it probably did. We have no viable models of an eternal universe. So we can make that our first premise, truth claim in an argument, like Al Gahazi, But I'm going to put you know here's how I'd put a spin on it. Premise one. There was probably a first physical event. Premise two, every physical event has at least one cause outside of itself. Now if those two claims are both true, it, it, it follows you can draw a certain conclusion from here but I want to argue for premise two because Big Bang Cosmology would do for premise one but premise two, why believe this? Well, one, anything contingent or dependent has at least one cause outside of itself physical events are by their nature contingent they don't have to exist and dependent therefore every physical event has at least one cause outside of itself which is our premise two. So if we got one and two, we can draw this conclusion. Therefore, there was probably a first physical event with at least one cause outside of itself. Now we can push a little bit further if we like. We can change that conclusion into, just rename that premise three, add a new premise. We like chaining our little syllogistic units of argumentation together like a daisy chain. Premise four, any, any, First physical event with at least one cause outside of itself must have a non physical cause. Right? Because causes are either physical or not. (laughs) There's not really any other option there, right? From which it would follow, new conclusion follows, that therefore there was probably a first physical event with a non physical cause. So, if this is correct, that sinks naturalism and materialism as a worldview, well, materialism and, and something outside of the universe that caused the universe, and this would be very uncomfortable for a naturalistic worldview, uh, and you can start asking questions about, well, what kind of thing would that have to, uh, to be? Um, at the very least, you're getting close to a chunk of what theism believes. Let me give you this kind of more concrete illustration which I like doing. Suppose I ask you to loan me a book uh, and you say, I don't have a copy right now but I'll ask my friend to lend me his copy and then I'll lend it to you. Uh, But suppose your friend says the same thing to you and so on and so on and so on. Two things are clear. First, if this process of asking to borrow the book, this is an analogy for Being caused to exist. Getting existence from something outside of yourself. If the process of asking to borrow the book goes on ad infinitum, I'll never get the book. Secondly, if I get the book, then the process that led to me getting it can't have gone on ad infinitum. Somewhere down the line of requests to borrow the book, to get existence, (laughs) as it were, someone had the book without having to borrow it. There's got to be something that just has existence and the ability to give it without having to get that from anywhere. Likewise, argues philosopher Richard Pertill, consider any contingent or dependent reality, such as a physical event, including any first physical event, So the same two principles apply, if the process of everything getting its existence from something else went on to infinity, then the thing in question would never have existence. And if the thing has existence, then the process hasn't gone on to infinity. There was something that had existence without having to receive it from something else. And you combine that with the argument we've already given, and you're, you're increasing the kind of photo fit description of the culprit, as it were. So as philosopher Dallas Willard famously argued in a famous paper of his, said, the dependent character of all physical states, together with the completeness, the completeness of the series of dependencies that underlie the existence of any given physical state, including the first one, logically implies at least one self-existent and therefore non-physical state of being. But we've already argued in the the Kalau argument there that the the physical universe probably has a non-physical cause outside of itself. And so we can say a non-physical cause, again on pain of infinite regress, a non-physical cause that is self-existent in that sense. This is at least part of the puzzle of existence. A self-existent, i.e. independent and therefore non-physical state of being that caused the existence of the physical universe. It's a good slice of what theists mean by God. But you see how we've gone from a, a a premise, a truth claim that's warranted by a scientific theory and combined that with philosophical claims... About the nature of causality and so on to lead to a philosophical conclusion so again it's saying this idea just science and theology and never the train shall meet actually you can have you can have premises and philosophical arguments for God where some of the bits of that argument some of the premises of those arguments can be warranted by scientific theories